to express our greetings if you're visiting with us tonight you're our honored guest and thank you for being here we would love to uh, meet you after services and talk with you and find out more about you it was uh, last Sunday evening we were driving home from the area wide that um, we saw a sign in our neighborhood of Bellhurst and on that sign it says lost in big words and on that sign there was a picture of a cat and it said we have lost our beloved cat, Fiero, F-I-Y-E-R-O, Fiero, and we need to find him. It says, please contact so-and-so. Here is the contact number. If you see him, please let us know. Well, that evening we were putting the boys to bed, and we do our daily routine Bible study, and they were going to say their prayers. And Liam decided to say his prayer, and he said, Dear God, please be with Fiero the cat and help him to be found I'm going to make sure I read this right that he can go back home to his parents well it just wasn't that one night that he thought about Fairo. he thought about him the next day at lunch the next night at supper he thought about him the next morning as we woke up and get ready for school it was a week long continuous devoted prayer for Fairo to return home and I am happy to say that sign was gone this morning so prayers may have been answered it looked like you see, Colleen and I, when we read that sign, we kind of looked at each other and said, Fairo, wow, that's an interesting name for a cat. And we kind of just, oh, well, hopefully they find it. You know, hopefully it'll be found, located, brought back to its owner. But for my son, Liam, it was a little bit different. You see, when he heard the words, we just read the sign to ourselves, and he must have heard them. When he the, heard the word lost, please help, please call if found, it was a trigger in his mind to him that someone or something, in the case of Fairo, was struggling and needed to be found and needed to be located soon and quickly. If we had not seen that sign, we would not have known there's a lost cat. Which brings me to our question tonight, and it's a very simple question, is how do we know within our own church family here at Delreda that someone is lost and that someone is struggling and needs to be found once again in this life? How can I communicate, as they put out a sign, how can we communicate as Christians that there are times we are in need and there are the times where we desire to help someone who is in need and struggling in this life? And what I want to look at is two different aspects tonight. I want to look at the aspect of when I need to talk, the one who is in need, and point out a few things there and how you can let the congregation know and let other people know that you need help that you're struggling with things and I'll not be afraid to speak out. And I also want to look at the other end of the spectrum and look at where I desire to help someone. What can I do to extend my hand? What can I do to let people know that I'm there? And we're going to cover a few points on that as well. And I want to jump right into it for the sake of time is the beginning of the night, make sure I have my PowerPoint going, is can we talk? And I want to look at the first aspect and look at when I need to talk, when I am someone in need what can I do? You see, there are times in life as Christians where we face challenges. We face obstacles and struggles throughout our lifetime. And there's times where we need some help and assistance during that need. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. If either one of them falls down, the other one can help them out. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them out. When I need to talk... When I need to let someone know, I have a need for them to know. 
Well, number one, what you need to do is this. Number one is realize that no one is perfect. Realize no one is perfect. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23, let me read this to you. It says, This is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who have believed. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. You see, the first step in working toward our communication with one another in the church is realizing that there is no one, no minister, no elder, no deacon, no Bible class teacher, no one in this audience is perfect. No one can say, I have gone throughout life, I've never made a mistake. Look at me. Take a look at me if you want to find someone that is a mentor. No one can say that in this audience. No one can say that according to Romans 2 and verse 23. You see, too many times within the church audience, too many times in our minds, we are led to believe that sharing our daily struggles and temptations is something of taboo. Perhaps we fear of exposure when we reveal our shortcomings and daily struggles in life. Perhaps we believe the church family may look at me differently if I am to speak up and they really knew who I was. Perhaps we have the keeping up with the Joneses mentality in relation to our spiritual lifestyles. And so we are led to believe that members of the church are always righteous and upright and are without sin. To the one who is struggling tonight, I want you to know this is that you are not alone in this world. You see, this audience of brothers and sisters is made up of people who love you, is made up of people who are struggling just as you. But you may not know it because we don't take the time to share it with one another. You see, the church needs to be like a hospital. There are times where we'll be patients in need of encouragement and correction. And maybe you are that patient right now in your life who needs of the great physician. There will also be times where there will be, we will be nurses who assist and care for those patients according to the physician's orders. When you walk into the church at Delreda, I want you to understand that we are all sinners in this world. We are all sinners and we are redeemed sinners before the throne of God who are in need of the great physician. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may die to sin and live in righteousness. And notice what it says at the end. By his wounds, we have been healed. By his wounds. There's no one else that's going to be involved in that. Only Jesus Christ, the great physician, can be the only one to help those in need. And that is going to be all of us. So number one, when you are in need in this world, realize that no one is perfect. Which leads us to point number two. Number two is realize you're not alone. Realize you're not alone. If you go back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, we read that no one was perfect, but 24 gives you insight to something that's exciting. Verse 24 says, All are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For the one who is feeling alone and facing those struggles in life, understand that you are surrounded by a family of God. And this family is united by the blood of Christ. It is to be the strongest family the world has ever seen, the world has ever known. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. It says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are Christians. 
As Paul spoke to the church at Galatia, he said, it's time that we drop the stereotypes the world has issued to us. We're neither black or white. We're neither bond or we're neither a slave or free. We are neither male or female. What he's saying here is this. He says, if you were to drop the stereotypes or the labels that the world has given us, and you were to look through the eyes of Christ, that you will see one united front, one united church, brothers and sisters who love each other, they have been cleansed by the precious blood of Christ and they belong to the redempted family of God. These are people who are willing to seek and serve one another and they walk hand in hand now on the road and the pathway of righteousness. That is the church we're a part of. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22 goes even deeper and it says, So you are then are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself gave being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, whatever struggle or whatever obstacle or challenges arises, you must realize that you are on a journey. And in that journey... You will be helped along the way, not just by Christ, but those who are with you in this audience. Those who are walking down that same road, the road to heaven. You see, we are to grow together. We are to love one another, and we are to be united together. So realize that you're not alone, the person that's here tonight in need. And number three is the last one on this end of the spectrum. Is Number three is ask, seek, and knock. In Matthew chapter 7, we see Jesus is beginning to wrap up his Sermon on the Mount. And he speaks to the crowd concerning their communication to him and also uh, to one another. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 says this. He said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You see, the word ask, seek, and knock seems pretty simple. You know, we could recite it pretty easy. But putting those three words into action can be a daunting task for someone, someone who's struggling and is in need. You see, it's never an easy thing to open up and to to find help or ask for help. Emotions such as pride, fear, or even rejection can take over one's mind when they want to open up their heart to others. But let me show you what the Father can really do if you practice these three steps. You see, his name was Timothy. I'll give you an example. He was a young preacher who had been assigned to lead the church at Ephesus. And the work at Ephesus was, quite frankly, taking a toll on Timothy. And he was becoming very frustrated. And see, he was challenged by false teachers, doctrinal issues, and matters concerning worship. His discouragement began to grow even more. And it seems he began to doubt himself even as a minister of God. He needed help, and so he began expressing his fears and doubts to the Father. And he asked God for help. And he seeked out those who can influence him. And help came in the form of his spiritual mentor, Paul the Apostle. And Paul would go on to write First and Second Timothy and write these two letters to Timothy that would encourage him to don't give up, to understand that you're in a fight together with Christ. And I want to read for you just a few passages here that Paul wrote specifically to Timothy within First and Second Timothy and show you the encouragement and the buildup that Timothy received. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul says that he was an apostle of Christ and commanded of the Lord God our Savior 
in Christ Jesus our hope. He said this letter to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you skip down to chapter 1 and verse 18, he'll pick up again where Paul says to Timothy, this I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and good consciousness. A couple of chapters later in chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, it says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. And then he transitions in his second letter to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, where he says, He says, Timothy, I thank God who I, who I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells within you. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gifts of God. If you notice through those few passages, Paul, how he responded to Timothy's moment of discouragement and doubt. You see, Paul begins the letter with encouragement and friendship. And he continues on by saying, Timothy, I trust you. He says, I know who you are. He says, Timothy, you hold fast the faith. He says, Timothy, I am thankful for you. He said, I'm in constant prayer for you. I remember those who taught you the truth, and you should too. He says, remember that you fan the flame of God. And Timothy, you can overcome and lead this congregation. Well, I don't know about you, but if I had someone to write me a letter like that and tell me over and over that I entrust you with the gospel of Christ and encourage me, I would definitely feel better. And I would definitely get a kickstart in running the race once again. You see, Timothy did what so many of us need to be doing today. He came to himself and he realized that I'm in need of encouragement or I'm going to falter if I ain't careful. And so he prayed to God for assistance and God answered Timothy's plea by inspiring Paul to write this letter. And God delivered the letter of encouragement to Timothy's doorstep. You see, no one is perfect and no one goes without a need in this world. Understand that you are not alone when dealing with the struggles of this world. If you just ask, seek, and knock, our Heavenly Father will provide a means. And it might come in form of an answered prayer through someone like Paul. It might come form, through an answered form of prayer as someone as an elder here or just a friend put their arm around you and say, you can make it. When I need to talk and when I have a need, please understand that people are here. Okay, now we want to switch gears here. We want to go to the other side of the spectrum. You say, well, I'm not really right now. Everything seems to be going well. It's going so well that I am encouraged, and I am looking for those who I can serve. He said, I've had a need before, but I am looking for those who are in need that I can really reach out to and help. So I want to leave you with these four things, and they're going to be very quick tonight. When I desire to help, understand this. You need to establish a caring relationship if you really want to help someone in need and you really care for them, you must build a relationship with that person. 
You've heard the phrase before, well, why didn't you come to me and ask me for help? You know, if you ever notice that sentence and that phrase, it's always in the past tense form. And usually it's said after we find out that someone has been in need and something's already has taken place. Too many times we are caught saying this very phrase, but have we ever really thought about it? The question we may need to consider is this. Does that person know that I really care for them? Instead of us saying, why don't you come to me and ask me for help? What we should be saying, do they really know that I care for them and I'm reaching out to them? Am I approachable to them in order for them to talk to me? You see, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 says this. Let love be genuine. Uphold what is evil. or Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You say, in, this, in my Bible, in this section of verses, in Romans chapter 12, is labeled marks of a true Christian. And that seems very fitting, what we're talking about this evening. And Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he tells them, let your love be genuine. He says, show them that you genuinely love me show them that you love the lord understand any of us can pat someone on the back on the back and say i love you only to walk away until the next meeting time to say nothing to them anyone can hug your neck and say you know i'll be thinking about you yet there are no daily words of encouragement no phone calls or texts that come to that person who is in need if we really love someone if we really genuinely mean it then you are constantly communicating and checking on that person and showing them that you care for them. See, through my actions and my words and my deeds, I am genuine in the eyes of the Lord. Paul would go on to explain in great detail the characteristics of those who really love someone, those who are genuine Christians. Verse 9, he says, it's someone who seeks to do good. Verse 10, it said, a genuine Christian will show affection for the individual. It says they will even honor that individual. Verse 11 says that they will be eager to help and serve. Verse 12 says they will rejoice and hope that the erring Christian could come back. Verse 12 says they maintain patience. Boy, that's a big one sometimes we miss. Verse 13 says they're hospitable towards the individual. They are willing to be there for them. They are willing to sacrifice. Just imagine if someone could possess, a brother and sister in the church here, could possess all these qualities at one time, how encouraging it would be for someone who is genuinely in need, how easy it would be for them to find that person who is a genuine Christian and be able to speak to them and let them know what's going on in life. We must be genuine in showing our care and love for one another. Well, number two, here we go. Number two is this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. I appreciate Simba reading this for us tonight. I'll read it one more time as well. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become an angry. How many times does it occur when an individual approaches us in their time of need that we are quick to fix the problem and send them on their merry way? Instead of delivering a quick fix to the problem, we need to be available to them to listen and to be attentive in order to aid them in that coping process or struggle they're dealing with. When an individual shares an emotional problem or struggle, 
Their feelings and desires are needing to, to be heard in order to gain your trust and support throughout their struggle. Remember the story of Jesus and the death of his friend Lazarus. In John chapter 11, Lazarus, the brother of Mary Martha, one of Jesus' closest friends, had just died. And Jesus is on his way and coming to visit Mary and Martha. And I imagine the toll that's on his heart because him and Lazarus were good friends. And if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verses 28 through 37. I'm going to read this to you together. It says, When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. It says, Now when Mary came to see Jesus, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 is the shortest verse in all the Bible, but it's a powerful verse. It said, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? Jesus could have rebuked Mary right there and told her plainly that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Well, of course, that was his plan. He was going to raise him from the dead to show his power. But notice how he responds in verse 35. He weeps not only with Mary, but he weeps with the whole crowd that is there. And Jesus showed compassion. Jesus took time to listen to Mary's plea and observe the audience around him and really have an opportunity to make an impression on them and really show his true feelings. You see, Jesus listened to Mary, and she was upset, and Jesus wept with her. He could have rebuked her for a lack of faith in him. He could have, he could have said, my ability is not of this world, and I can raise Lazarus right now. Why don't you believe me? But he didn't say that. Instead, he wept with her first. And he listened to her. And he listened to what she had to say concerning her brother. Many times when the brother or sister shares a struggle in life, they just need someone to listen to them and to put their arm around him and console him or her. Number three. Number three is pretty easy. It's pray together daily. If you truly love someone, then you will speak to God concerning that person. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How often do we say, you know, I'll be praying for you this week, but yet that prayer is not consistently offered to God. It might have been offered once after we said, well, I'll be praying for you, but we tend to forget about that individual sometimes. You see, if we have compassion, if we have any concern for the one in need, then we most assuredly will be praying for them. 
And this step is so cut and dry, it's, it's, it should be automatic. If we know someone is struggling spiritually, then we should be down on our knees in prayer consistently for that person and consistently praying for them to be delivered from their struggle. Verse 16 tells us that prayer is, has great power and it works. And we must be constantly communicating to God and sharing with him the issues taking place, not only in our lives, but those who are around us that we see are in need of help. Don't ever doubt nor forget the power of God and the power you have to speak to him. And finally, number four tonight is this. Be willing to invest in their soul. And this is our last scripture of the evening. It's pretty lengthy. And I invite everyone to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 together. Do you love someone to invest in their soul? Are you willing to invest time, finances, maybe happiness, heartache, tears, and even joy in order to better serve someone? Jesus did, and I want to show you how he did it. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we are all once in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us with, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were destined to be lost in this world and lost in our sins. We were doomed for what seemed to be for an eternity. But God heard our plea and saw our need and he invested in our souls. And God invested in us during our struggles and imperfections by sending his only son, Jesus, into this world. You see, Jesus came into this world and he recognized we were a sinful race. He knew of our imperfections, so he gave ear to our daily struggles. He offered hope for our lives, and he guided us through the restoration of our soul. He sacrificed of his time, his status with the Father, his relationship with God, and even his life in order that we too might be reconciled back to God. You see, Jesus really practiced what Romans 12 said, to be genuine in love. He was eager to listen. He was prayerful for our soul, and he was willing to sacrifice it all in order that we might be whole once again and restored. We had a need. Each and every person in this room tonight has had a need or is having a need in their life now. Will we practice what Jesus did in the the book of Ephesians chapter 2? Will we find that individual? Will we serve them? We invest time in them because they're our brother or sister in Christ. Tonight, we've looked at both sides of the spectrum. We've looked at when I have a need and I need to talk, 
realize some things. And we looked also on the other side of the spectrum and say, I desire to help someone in need. Here's steps that you can do it. So when we close tonight, there is no excuse. If you are in need, find that person that you know is Christ-like and that can help you and pray for you daily. If you are someone that says, I really want to help somebody, I know my desire is to be like Christ and go serve others, find that person you think is in need and to develop a relationship with them and build a friendship with them and serve them as much as you can. In the end, each of us are on the same journey, and that journey points towards a father and his home he has prepared for us. Let us communicate with one another. Let us build relationships with one another as we walk together in this world throughout our journey and our journey towards heaven. Tonight, if you have the desire and the need to have the prayers of the church, 